Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturbins. So we're going to look at places in Scripture of people who screamed at God and got away with it. You say, well, why are you encouraging us to do that? I don't have to encourage you. You'll do it. You'll do it. At some point, we all do. We may not mention his name. Um, On rare occasions, because I'm such a fix-it type person, I'll find myself in situations where I just can't fix it. I recall one being stuck in the woods in a... uh, in a, in a little four-wheel drive uh, uh, pickup truck, and no matter what I, could, I did, I could not get out of this, this. I mean, I'd done everything you're supposed to do with all of the, um, Drew, you'll be proud, all of the redneck tools of inventions that were at my disposal, Jeep, Jack, branches, everything to gain traction, and it, it didn't work. On one occasion, my wife was with me. These were rare. It's not like we go out and do this. We just, a couple of different times. Matter of fact, there's much you don't know about my wife when you see her just sort of, she looks like this super classy chick, whatever. And by all rights, she is. But what you don't know is that she grew up going to the Everglades, hunting and camping, riding swamp buggies. Next time you see her, swamp buggies. See, in Tennessee, you've never heard of a swamp buggy. Maybe if, if you come from someplace else. Swamp buggies. That means they, go, they build these machines that just are another redneck invention. And, um, and that, that was her. I mean, I, yeah, that's when I met her. And so when you look at her and think, man, that's just something. No, no, she's a redneck. Redneck all the way to the heart. Which is proof. I told you last year about injuring her knee, being pulled on a four-wheeler on a piece of plywood. Okay, that is redneck surfboarding on grass, and she hurt herself doing that. But one time she was helping me, so I said, okay, keep your foot on the brake, accelerate, and then let off the brake slowly. So I'm back there with all the branches, and that didn't happen. Boom! All of a sudden, mud all over my face. She's watching in the rearview mirror. Yeah, (laughs) watching. I stand up and do that, and said, really? That's easy? And she's just dying laughing. I mean, just losing her breath laughing. Priceless. But on some of those occasions where I've been in, in, in life, I'm just trying to fix something you can't get there, at various degrees or varying degrees of frustration, I'll go, ah! Anybody ever done that besides me? Please tell me that. Oh, yes! Heathens in the house. Come on. So we get that. So Scream. So perhaps today, and you're going you're gonna to listen in the weeks to come, the various people who screamed at God, Habakkuk, one of the minor prophets, Elijah, David, the Psalms, King David. The Psalms are loaded with him. He doesn't just scream at God. He sings screams at God. <laughs> what on earth is going on up there? And then Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, but the occasions that we scream at God, I think people are there now. In a, uh, a critical passage in Isaiah chapter 40, and it's where I really wanted to hang, but the, the song that Dan sort of pulled out has messed me up, so let me see if I can just cheat around here. But look at verse 27. If this is sort of a setup. It says, Who do, Why do you say, O Jacob, and assert, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, 
and the justice do me escapes the notice of my God. Let me just say this. Whenever we feel like, whether it's literal or not, and I'm not making a social commentary here. I will come to that in a moment. But when we feel that there's nothing but injustice and it can't be resolved, we, ah, we're frustrated. And that, that we, we feel exhausted with the moment because there's nothing we can do. Um, you know, and and it, can, it can be a full range of things. I, I've done everything I can. I don't know what to do. Can't do this. Can't do that. And we find ourselves sort of exhausted with the whole moment. Now, right now, the people that I've, I've just asked about, how are you doing with everything that's going on in the nation from virus to riots and protests to economy and everything? And I, I do get, I get one response. Man, I'm just worn out. I'm exhausted, just exhausted. And, um, and, and I would get that. I would share that. I mean, how, how many would just say back to me, I get that by an amen? Just say an amen. right? Now. Yeah, you're right there. Okay, what, what do we do? We're hanging on for what's next. By the way, I'm going to put something here. This is a pause for a commercial. We've seen an uptick in... See, that's another point of exhaustion. Who and what do you believe? Now, having said that online and to you, I'll, I'll go home, and today I'll receive text messages and emails with links for this is the right information. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not telling you not to do that. I'm just saying I spend a lot of time trying to stay up on the most recent data, see what's happening uh, not only in the nation but in our state and then in our community as well. And I, online we make calls to local hospital administration to find out just what's happening so we can keep a, a, sort of a finger on it. And this is not just a crazy reaction. We notice we, we reinstituted every other row of separation, okay? And we did that not because of the uptick so much, although there has been one. We're being, like I said, very responsible. But due to some study that I've read and research over the several weeks uh, about singing and how singing, uh, your breath, you know, aerosol, it projects further, so I thought, okay, I, I want to as much as possible insulate, should it happen, God forbid, say amen there with me, please, that, that someone here um, come down or is diagnosed with COVID-19, that that should happen at church if you're able to, to, trans, uh, you know, to, um, to trace that to origin. And so we're taking every precaution we can because we want to care for people, not because we're reacting to one thing or another. Again, I'll get emails that say it's conspiracy theory, it's a hoax, it's a this or that. Well, the fact is the disease is real, okay? And so we're just being proactive because uh, I want to be able to worship. I want for us to be able to worship. And, and so that's the step. They're doing the same thing in the children's ministry, and I need to remind everyone here, this building is cleaned uh, with the number one product. It's called MetaClean Microban, if you want to fact check that. But uh, the, that kills the coronavirus. Notice what I said. The, the, uh, the technician for the company, the chemist, uh, doctor somebody, I spoke with personally, said that it kills the coronavirus. We don't know that it kills, like, we can't make the statement it kills COVID-19 because nobody's had it in their lab to test it, okay? So, but I want you to have just any exhale you can get. Why? Because we're out of breath. 
We're just exhausted with everything. What information can I trust? What can I depend on? What's here? What's there? What am I going to do? What about my job? What about it's next? You know, it looks like, well, is the economy going to recover? And mixed into all of this is the whole politicizing of everything, an upcoming presidential election, congressional elections, everything else. And our, our, companies, our country is just sort of boiling. We're looking like at the riots and the unrest and, and the things that are happening around the nation. And, and, oh, God, what can we do? And it's like, is there any, is there any real answer to this when it looks like, are we ever going to get there from here? Is there, and we tend to go, man, I'm just out of breath. It's that condition that Isaiah 40 is written to. Out of breath. Just out of breath and exhausted. Now, I'm going to skip because, I, like I said, I felt redirected to something that I had planned to share months ago and never got to. But, but watch this language. In, in verse 29, it says, He gives strength to the weary... And to him who lacks might, he increases power. The, uh, I love that because earlier it talks about God having might and power. But I like the King James Version. It says, he who is faint. You're just uh, exhausted. I'm just absolutely, God don't know what, I'm just sort of hanging on here. I'm stuck. I'm stuck. Anybody ever felt that way? Don't raise your hand. One of those, ah! Just don't know what else to do. I'm stuck. All right, watch scripture here. Though youths grow weary and tired, and vigorous young men stumble badly, yet those who wait for the Lord will regain will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run, and I like King James again, and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Is that possible? At the moment that you feel faint, you feel exhausted, you feel breathless, what can you possibly do? The word wait here is a term that's used two or three ways, and it's ironic that it's used under the umbrella of feeling there's no justice, there's no final resolution. See, justice is ultimately, in the simplest of senses, things working out the way we hoped they would based on our understanding of equity and fairness. In other words, you say, well, that's a very long definition. Well, I'll shorten it up. It Simply put, they, justice is, uh, and especially for the Jewish people, was that working out the way they hoped it would work out. See, they expected a Messiah. They didn't expect the one that showed up. They expected a Messiah that would come and bring justice, a Messiah that would be a great general, lead an army, would crush any of the oppressing nations that had oppressed them. That's the justice. See, justice and mercy are two sides to one coin. And the justice they were expecting, they knew the Messiah, so they thought. But the Messiah that came, the the, the Messiah that came, came and became a victim of injustice, if you will, in order to defeat all injustice on the cross of Christ. Hallelujah. Say amen right there. Okay? Now, so we we find ourselves, how is it it ever going to get there? Um, uh, I'm pausing to, I, just, I just did a mental filter. Just go ahead and say thank you. Okay, yeah. Um, because it was a great rabbit, a big rabbit. Had a saddle on it. Reins. It was a big rabbit. It it's a good rabbit, Drew. But Ezekiel 37. Now, you see the word wait that I just mentioned from Isaiah. Those that wait on the Lord... It shares a common root with the word hope, hope. And here's what, now let me tell you about wait a little bit more. 
It's used, the word, years ago I heard, uh, I think it was, oh, I think it was Chuck Swindoll, could be wrong. If it's not, it would be Pastor Jack Hayford. Talk about how it means cord, and it does, and the poetic implication that weight means to wrap yourself in and become a strand of a much larger cord with the ability to lift, carry, hold, whatever. But the point being, this passage says you gain the strength. You gain the strength of a much larger rope if you just take the little strand of life that you are and say, I'm wrapping myself into that cord uh, that, that of God, and I will gain. And it says here, you'll gain this strength. The second is that the cord becomes a line, and line is used throughout the prophets of a measuring line that was used to both measure a distance and level things, make sure everything was right. You see it sort of pointing back to justice. He says, I'm coming to measure you. I'm coming to stretch a line and check the level and make sure. So the second thing that this line is about is not just wrapping yourself into it, but a sense of God stepping in. And God says, I have the ability to measure and make everything right. God says, I have that ability. I haven't lost that ability. And he establishes it earlier in the passage. But the third thing that I like about it the most, is it sort of now shifts it back on us. The first two uh, the, the, I, I love the first two, but this last one is so cool because it's used as the word weight as to lie in weight, and it was sort of negatively polarized to describe thieves and bad guys who would position themselves on a path where people were sure to come by and when they would come out, you know, ah, we got you. Isn't it amazing that God would use that word to describe our cha- shifting posture? And why is that important? Because, see, bad guys don't lie in wait on a road with no one's traveling. Bad guys choose roads because they know people are coming down that road. They're confident they're going to come down that road. And so when they hide themselves, they're there full of hope, absolute hope. Because they've taken a predictable path forward and their hope for some people they might rob coming along is usually satisfied because they've done their homework. It's not just empty faith. Beloved, when that switched over to you and me, those who wait upon the Lord, that I, I, I know God's coming by. I know that, that what I'm hoping for hasn't gotten here yet, but I'm going to position myself right here because when he comes by, I'm going to jump out and I'm going to ambush him. Now, how many know God could probably karate chop us pretty easily? But now watch how all of these little poetic pictures... But when we jump out to ambush God, God turns and says, come on, just wrap yourself into me right now. Come on and take on the strength that can be yours through me that you didn't have. You've been feeling exhausted and breathless, but I've come to give you new life and new breath. I've come to give you strength and power and might because he says, I'm the God that doesn't ever suffer from hunger, weakness, or weariness. Is that not good news? And then we come along and we say, like on this Sunday morning, about the time that whatever phrase from your favorite song or worship is happening here, we jump out and said, I knew you were coming. I knew you were coming. Here I am. And God reaches out and says, come on, wrap yourself into me. Take on my strength right now and understand that I'm the God that hasn't failed to measure the situation and get everything right. It's coming. You see, the Bible says that the end of the age will be the ultimate satisfaction of all matters of injustice. But what happens in between? They begin to sing this song. Dan, how far away are you? You're right there. You're as close as the Holy Spirit. Come back out and go to the key of C. And actually, that part of the little chorus that says, um, for the 
All the earth will shout his name. Which one has the bone song part in it? That one? Sing that. If you guys just, just sing that part of it, okay? Listen. All the earth. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts will cry. These bones will sing. Okay, so I love this. These bones will sing. You see, let me read to you Ezekiel 37, 11. Wait for the word hope. Same root as wait. Why is it important that those words travel together? Because no one will wait a place where there's no hope. You won't wait. If you have no hope, you won't wait. You won't wait. You won't wait for something to come that you're absolutely convinced is not going to come. You won't. I think it is so absolutely divine, cosmically brilliant, that this Hebrew word chosen would share the same root, uh, uh, root term. Because, beloved, we can wait today within expectation because we do have a hope. We have a hope in Him that is sure, that is an everlasting foundation. It won't go away. It won't go away. There's a place to put your hope. Listen, when everything around you doesn't make any sense. Listen to verse 11, I believe. Then he, this is God speaking to the prophet Ezekiel. I will back up. Let me just tell you the story. Presumably it's a dry, hot, arid day, according to this vision. And whether it's a vision or a literal taking to a a valley, everybody wants to argue, it doesn't make any difference. It just happened. And it says, the Spirit of the Lord took me out to the edge of a valley full of white, bleached, dry bones. I'm going to go back and read it in a moment. But it's not until you get to verse 11 that you find out what the bones are saying. And that's important, but watch. In verse 11, then he said to me, quote, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say. Everybody say, when the bones speak. Come on, one more time. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Our hope has perished. There's that word. Our hope is perished. We're completely cut off. Ah! Come on, anybody ever been there? We're going to get t-shirts made. Scream, little parentheses, just ask me. It's going to be a new outreach as we come into the fall, by the way. I re- we just really have sensed the Spirit of the Lord saying this to our church. And I, I, it's been a while since there's been this specific of, here's what you are to do. And it is reclaiming the Great Commission. When I use that phrase, reclaiming the call to win people to Jesus Christ. Reclaiming the call to share our faith. Reclaiming the call to tell our story. Why? Because when I tell my story, the force of the cross. I don't have to ever say Jesus. I don't have to have to say the blood of the Lamb or the cross of Christ. If I just tell my story to someone, God says in the background that you can't see by way of the Spirit, I'm bringing the force of the cross and the blood of the Lamb to bear on the situation. And you can bet that they're going to respond the same way that that guy hanging next to me that didn't understand anything that was going on. He just looked over at me and said, "Uh, wherever you're going, can I go with you? Beloved, get this. If you'll just share your story, the force of that cross encounter will be brought to the situation and on the life of the one you're sharing it with. And all of a sudden, in the back of their spirit, in their mind, they're going to say, I'm not quite sure what's happening here. But whatever it is, I want to go with whoever took you where you are. 
Can I go with you? In their mind. So just share it. Just share it. Just share it. That's coming. Hallelujah. Now, I don't know why I said all of that. I'm sure if I rewound the recording, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out this afternoon. In verse 1 of Ezekiel 37, the hand of the Lord was upon me. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. Everybody say Spirit. I'm, I'm going to move quickly. I'll give you some dates that you can go listen to. I'm about to make reference to the phrase spirit time. So hang with me. And I'll point you to some teachings online. If you'll email me, or text me, message me, whatever. Okay? But the spirit. Everybody say the spirit. Okay? He caused me to pass among them round about. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley. And lo... They were very dry. Now remember, remember, we're working against verse 11. Let me read it again. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say. Ezekiel standing on the edge of the valley. There is maybe a wind blowing. Sounds like voices. Those dry old bones have become the wind chimes of hell. And they're saying those words were hopeless. We're full of despair. We're cut off. We're hopeless. Sing that one more time. Just get that far. Come on. All the earth will shout your praise. Our hearts hearts will will cry. cry. These bones will sing. Great are you, Lord. Now, I'm not done yet. How many have some bones around you that you need to speak to? How many have? Not just these. All the earth will shout your name. Our hearts will cry. These bones. You see, they're bleached. They're dry. They've been there presumably for years. Not only that, they're the evidences of every battle that they tried to fight in the past and they lost. They were massacred. And now they're heaped upon heaps upon heaps. And he says, listen, we have a problem. The Spirit of the Lord says, I want you to go out. Watch when we get to verse 4. Again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, hear the word of the Lord. When you compare this to verse 11, in verse 11, he says the bones are speaking. Do you understand that verse 11 was just a reference? You get that? Verse 11 was already happening. He was walking up to the edge of the valley of the dry bones, and those dry bones were screaming, if you will. Not just, ah, we failed. We've crashed and burned. We were utterly lost, destroyed. There's no hope. It says it. There's no hope. The bones are sad. There's no hope. There's no hope. There's no way forward. There's no hope. What are we going to do? Anybody feel that way right now in our nation? Oh, I... God, we've just never seen anything quite like this ever. What's on the other side? Beloved, we should have different words than those people out there. We should have a different language in the kingdom of God. When we're frustrated and exhausted, we have a place to go. We have hope. We can jump out, ambush God and says, come on, jump on. Wrap yourself into me. I'll give you the strength to make it that you didn't have based on a hope. This hope right here. He says, I want you to prophesy, speak, say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. That's what it says. But look, 
Say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I think right here is where I'm going to end. Pastor Dave, here's the paraphrase for me in the takeaway. He walked the Spirit of God. He walked him up to the edge of the valley. Matter of fact, if I were to continue reading, it would talk about where the wind, that's the same word for spirit. The Spirit of God began to blow. And the bones began to rattle and shake. Something came on them. And then it said sinew and tendon and muscle. He says, and then flesh. And then they rose to be a mighty army. Let's go back over here to the edge of the valley. He says, I want you to, I, I want you to, to look out there. That thing that's been blown over and washed over. I want you to begin to speak to it. Now watch the implication. Put that verse back up, please, Amanda. Here we go. Okay. Prophesy over these bones. That means to speak in declaration. It doesn't mean to entertain conversationally. It means to make an insertion. Prophesy. Speak declaratively. Make a declaration over these bones. And say to them, Oh, dry bones. First statement. Hear the word of the Lord. Here's Tom's interpretation of that. Ezekiel, I want you to walk out to the edge of that valley. Jim, I don't care what's happened with your job that ambushed you. And just as I read your story and thought, my first thought was, well, that is really unfair. And I think anyone's estimation would probably look at that. Brother, I want you to step up to the edge of the valley today because whatever could have been there, God says, hang on, hang on. I'm coming by. Get ready to ambush me. Uh, listen to me. He steps up and here, here's Tom's adapted paraphrase. I know I've said it three times. Here it comes. Uh, dry bones. Remember, they're talking. Okay. They're talking. Verse 11 says, they're talking. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up. Our hope is perished. We are completely cut off. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is perished. We're completely cut off. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is perished. We're completely cut off. Uh, our hope is dried up. Our, our bones are perished. We're completely cut off. That's what they're saying over and over. Uh, may, I don't know. Maybe they have an antiphonal thing going. Our bones are perished. We're completely cut off. We don't have any hope. We go. He says, Ezekiel, I want you to walk out there and say, um, excuse me. Shut up! Hear the word of the Lord. You know it's impossible to hear while you're talking. I think God knows that much. How many would say amen to that? Safe? So I believe when he set up, when he steps up and says, um, Hear the word of the Lord. Because it's about to fly in the face of everything that you're saying. There's some of you here today that need to step up on the edge of your life in that valley of dry bones and look out. And the first thing you need to do is stop the echo of your soul that says, We're hopeless. We're cut off. We're dried up. There's no way forward. We're hopeless. We're dried up. Uh, you, ever, you ever been around somebody that just starts saying the same thing over and over and over and over? And, and, and you'll do it. I mean, you may not in that moment, but time after time after time. I got to admit, I'm not a good counselor with that. Because after about the fifth or sixth time, I'll say, hey, stop. Hey, what are you saying? Rhetorically, they'll say it. I'll say, how many times have I heard you say that? Well, I don't know, Pastor, maybe 30 or 40. How's that working out for you? How's that doing? How about stepping up on the edge of your valley and saying, 
I've listened and I've become an echo chamber to what's before me enough. All I'm doing is reflecting my circumstances. I'm about to speak. And he says, when you do that, the Spirit of God will begin to blow on your bones that are hopeless and dried and cut off and we don't have any hope. And God says, watch, watch, watch. God says, if you will do that, I will transform the evidence and residue of your past that has no hope into a mighty army that will rise up and go before you in what is... Anybody want to step up? All the earth will shout. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.